Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Glad to be back with you guys. Uh, I, my name is Bobby. As I said, if this is your first time, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. If you're new here, just want to say welcome. But I, I'm thankful for this church body. Uh, I was had the opportunity to go preach at a church in Indiana last week. Uh, they had a great revival. Um, I don't know if you've grown up in church or been to a church that does revivals. They're not as common anymore. But man, they are doing a really good job out there. And they um, had really good attendance. They had on Saturday, I, I got to preach Saturday night and Sunday morning. And three other guys did the other three nights previous. And we had four baptisms on Saturday. That was so, so, so amazing. Something to praise God for. Um, but I, I'm always glad to be back with you guys. Um, do you guys know, and I, I might be getting in trouble here um, with some of you parents that are in the room, especially with some younger ears here, but do you guys know that Amazon has like a real life legit paper like wish book for toys? Did y'all know that? Yeah, some of y'all, I've talked about it before. I grew up on the Sears wish book, Christmas wish book. And for, for those that are younger, you know, haven't discovered the Amazon one yet, you know, you just don't know how life-changing that book was. You would go, and man, you would just pour through. It was just, I mean, it was all toys. It was all this amazing stuff. This was like really pre-internet. Yes, I'm that old. I'm pre-internet. Um, but it was so, so exciting. you go, and you like, you would circle what you wanted right, you know, and you'd circle all this crazy stuff, knowing at least at my house, and my mom was like, you've lost your ever-loving mind, child. There ain't no way I'm spending that kind of money on you. You know, here's a stick of gum. No, I had, I had a really good Christmas. I had a really good Christmas. But then, you know, you would fold down the pages that way. If, you know, your mom was looking through it, she would have, make sure she absolutely noticed that page. But now Amazon has one with all the technology that Amazon has. And you just go one-click shopping, all that. They actually have a real live paper uh, wish book. It, it, it's one of the coolest things. And it's a neat thing to be able to go through and just say, okay, this is what I wish. And I know they've got the wish list online, but you just, it's next level. It's next level when you go through that book. It's just some, I love technology, but man, it, it's something about that book. But that's kind of what life is like sometimes, you know? Um, it's nice to say, man, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. And it would be nice if we always got all those things that we wanted. But I've got a little wish list that I want to read for you guys. I want to see, are these things that, that you want, that you want in your life? To be made a disciple. Yeah. Um, saved. Forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those are really amazing things, right? Washing away your sins. Dying to sin. Buried with Jesus. Raised to life in Jesus. How about clothed in Christ? Y'all aren't being very vocal, but I see some heads nodding. You're, you're like, is this a trick question? <laughs> These are good things, right? Um, I, I think I read this while I read it again. Clothed in Christ, putting off of the flesh your old sinful self by the circumcision of Christ and buried with Christ. Some of them are repeats. Raised through your faith in Christ. Also, again, saved and appeal to God for a good conscience by the resurrection of Jesus. 
All of these things are, are pretty amazing, right? And, and most of us, if we know much about God or, you know, some of you, if you're new and you don't know much about God and having a relationship with him, some of this you're like, I, I don't know, this kind of overwhelming. But these things are some pretty powerful, amazing things that if you've been on the scene with Jesus a little bit and you're learning about God, these are things that most likely you would say, yes, yeah, sign me up. I want those things. I want them all. You're turning down every page on that and you're like, yep, I'm circling that. I'm putting a little red arrow on it, I want those things. If there was a wish book for those kind of things, and the good news is, guess what? There is. Everything that I just read to you on this list of wants or, or wishes, if you will, everything that I just read is from a passage of scripture. It's straight from a passage of scripture, you know, just taking and, and sharing a little bit of that passage of scripture. And you want to know the even more like, uh, more impressive, crazy thing that, that we want to take note of is every single one of these things is what the Bible says that happens to us at baptism into Christ. Every single one of these things. Every single one of these things, just you read, see what the scripture says, every single one of these things are things that we receive at baptism. Um, you know, some of us, uh, if you've been here for a while, we've been going through a series in the book of Acts, and, uh, and, and some people may wonder, why do we talk about baptism so much? And I, I say this kind of thing from time to time. Uh, just this week, I was able to, to get away for a little bit and really do some intense study and praying and planning my sermons for the next year. I've done that for several years now where I go away for a day or two in November. Uh, I've got a friend who's got a little tiny apartment at the beach, and I just go and get by myself and pray and listen to God. And normally, I come away with the entire year planned out. I mean, pretty much down to the week of what we're going to talk about. And it's not a lot of detail, but I'm like, okay and I, I'm putting this here and you know I, I'm li trying to listen to God's guidance and I'm laying things out and then I'm reminded coming like today of God's great sense of humor his incredible sense of humor and it makes me feel good about God because my sense of humor is a little bit weird and sometimes I think God's is a little bit weird especially when I'm on the receiving end of it because I had no idea a year ago when I said okay I'm going to preach through Acts and this, this is where the chapters are going to fall this kind of thing that whether I'm going to preach from Acts today was going to be this week because this week I had somebody that was sort of upset with me about what the Bible teaches about baptism and I'm like it's funny to me. It's almost like I can imagine God saying, all right, here, last November, Bobby, you're planning out your schedule. You know, I'm, here you go on this Sunday. Have fun. It's like <laughs> backing up and leaving me alone. It feels like I know he's not. I know he's not. I know he's absolutely not, but that's sort of the way it feels. It's like, he's like, okay. But then I start thinking when I start to say, okay, God, you're going to put me out there to say this stuff. And you know, I'm, people might get upset with me or people might disagree with me, but then I get reminded Jesus went to the cross. He did the hard part, right? He did the hard part. All he wants me to do is just tell truth. And, that, and that's as scary as that can be because I'm just a person and I am a, a person who, you know, I want people to like me and I, you know, I want everybody to get along and all that sort of stuff. I have to tell the truth. And the beauty of it is, is that God did the heavy lifting. He went to the cross, died for our sins, and now he just says, look, church, and guess what? It's not just me. It's all of us. You just have to tell the truth about me. You just have to tell the truth about me. So some people may wonder, why do you talk about 
it so much, especially lately. If you know, if you're maybe on the newer side to our church and you've just been for the past several, gosh, I don't know, 12, 16 weeks or so that we've been talking about the book of Acts. But that's just one thing. It's a simple thing I want to make sure everybody understands. When you preach through the book of Acts, you're going to encounter baptism a lot, a lot. And I want to tell you, I believe if we're paying attention, that can really teach us something. That can teach us something. Because the sad thing is, is a lot of churches, uh, I mean, I'll say in America, I can't really speak for too much for in other countries, but a lot of churches in America and a lot of Bible teachers don't teach much about what the Bible says about baptism. And I think that that's something that should be like, "Uh uh-oh, I need to investigate that a little bit more. It's all through the Bible, not just in the book of Acts, but all throughout the New Testament. It comes up, and in a lot of the scriptures that I read to you, the wish list are from different epistles, like, and that's just, here, I'm going to teach you something. Uh, Epistles are not the apostles' wives. In case you're wondering, it wasn't the apostles who married the epistles. It was the epistles are just letters. That's all it means. It's a fancy word for letter. Um, but in, in the New Testament letters, the Bible says some really powerful things. Like, you know, I, I read from Galatians 3.27 where you're clothed in Christ. You, you, like, you literally like put on spiritually Jesus in baptism, you know, in, in one of the epistles there. But you go through. And so we want to dig in and see what the scripture says because we want to be biblical. Am I right? I'm not going to say, can I get an amen? <laughs> I'll tell you how much I've matured. I wanted to, the very first thing when I got up here, I wanted to say, man, Scotty did a good job, didn't he? Can I get an amen? <laughs> but I technically didn't, or did I? Anyway, but that's the thing, is we want to be biblical. And another idea is this. The Bible teaches If you look at what the Bible teaches about baptism, it's the time and point at which you die to sin. You're you're born again. You enter the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 is one of those that was on that wish list that I want to read a little more in depth. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Romans in the scripture, it's going to be on the screen here. You can follow along in your Bible. It says, what shall we say then? Because the Roman church was really struggling. There were people in the church who were saying, I want to go, and if grace is forgiving of sins, I want to go and make sure that Jesus has a reason to share his grace with me. I'm going to party it up, and there's going to be plenty to forgive. And so he's answering this issue. What shall we say then? As are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can he who died, or we who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Man, that is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture that teaches us the the depth of what goes on at baptism. And I believe another reason that it's important that we talk about baptism is, is this. 
I believe really sincerely that the deceiver, the enemy, Satan, if you will, he wants people to be confused about this incredibly, incredibly pivotal point in God's plan of salvation. Because he is a master of confusion. He's a master of deceit and lies. And that's one of his greatest tools. A lot of times we get caught up thinking that Satan's greatest use of time is going around causing us to sin. And I believe he can play a role in, I believe he does. But the scripture says that our own sinful desires are what lead us into sin many times. I, I mean, the sad truth is, is that we can blame the devil, but a lot of times I'm pretty good at it on my own, you know? But where I do believe Satan spends most of his time is, you know, stealing and killing and destroying, in, in a sense, what Jesus said. He's lying to you, and he's trying to get you to think that nobody cares about you, and that you're all alone, and that it doesn't matter, and he just plays all these mind games. And I believe he wants people to misunderstand the powerful truth the scripture teaches about baptism. And I believe that he gets people to think, if I can just simply just believe in Jesus, I think a lot of people will be comfortable with that. But in James chapter 2, verse 19, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He said, you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So just simply believing who Jesus is isn't enough. Just acknowledging the truth of who Jesus is isn't enough because demons believe that. I would say they even know it. I mean, it's not even a matter of believing. I think it's they know who he is, and they are not saved. So just believing a truth about Jesus isn't enough. And we're going to get into that a little bit. I believe that if he can convince you that all you need to do is repent, I believe you'll become self-righteous. You know, if you just repent, repent, repentance is a change in your mind that leads to a change in your action. And a lot of times if we just focus on that, we can believe, well, I'm a pretty good person because look what I used to do because I, I could definitely do that. Man, I was a much different person a long time ago. And I say, well, I, I quit that and I quit that and I quit that. And I could easily become, and a lot of us could easily become really, really self-righteous. Well, look at me. I'm a pretty good Christian. Want to touch me? <laughs> you know? And we can get caught up thinking that kind of thing. In the Apostle Paul, uh, in, in Philippians chapter 3 he really truly lays this out, uh, this idea that being self-righteous is worthless. He goes and he says, if you want to talk about who's good enough, I'm up at the top of the list. And here's where he picks up in chapter 3, verse 6 of Philippians. He says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He's winding up his list of why he's better than everybody else. If, he, if you want to get down to comparing. As to righteousness under the law, blameless blameless. What he's saying? He wasn't saying he was perfect, but he's like, if I sin, I do the right uh, offering, sacrifice, those kind of things. I'm blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ, he goes on. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I'm not going to get into today what that is, but that's really bad stuff. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I, I want to pause really quick right there. He's talking about stacking up your good deeds. He says all of his good deeds and his bad deeds mean what? He says, but I want to be in him. Did you catch that in that list of the wish list of things that baptism gives us, it it says that we are in him, we're clothed in Christ? And then he says to be like him, to attain to his death, be like him in his death. And where did Romans just say that his death is where we connect with his death? At baptism. We're buried into his death and attained to his resurrection. Where are we raised to new life spiritually? At baptism. And it's powerful. And so what he's saying is it's not, you can stack up good deeds, but they mean nothing because you can't earn your way to God. You can't be good enough. And then maybe he might try to convince you to say, well, if I just confess Jesus as Lord, I'll be safe. But you know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So just saying the fact that Jesus is Lord evidently is not enough. Well, Romans 10, 9, and 10 talks about, you know, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And that's true. You will be. But there's a bigger picture here that we want to look at in Scripture. And so if he can get you to believe any one of those things or, or just a little bit of those things, and if he can get you to deny or even doubt or misunderstand the importance and what happens at baptism... What we have to understand is that we'll continue in our sin. Because what's the very first thing on the day of Pentecost, the first time the gospel is ever preached, when they realized they believed in Jesus and they realized that they were in danger, what did they say? They said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So your sins are on you. And in Acts 22, you know, get up. Wash away your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus, calling on his name. You know, your sins are still on you. And so if Satan can get you to doubt that, he's going to put you in a place that's dangerous. Let me, let me say this, though. Can God do whatever he wants? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can he accept whomever he wants on whatever terms? Amen. Absolutely. And I hope he does. I absolutely hope he does. If you know me, and I know not everybody here knows me, but if you know me, I think you'd find that to be true, that I want everybody, everybody to be accepted by God. And I hope God does accept everybody, but you know what I can't do? I can't play God. And you can't either. I can't play God and say, this is what the Bible says, but if you do this or don't do this, 
you'll be okay. Because I'm not God, and you're not either. And I hate the word because, unfortunately, that's what can happen sometimes, but when people want to argue about what the Bible says about baptism, usually that's what it entails. Yeah, that's what it says, but, 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 and a lot of times there's a, well, you've got that scripture and I've got this scripture, we're going to make them fight. That's not the way the Bible works. The Bible doesn't fight with itself. We've got to look at the entire picture of what God is saying. We've got to look at that entire picture. All that we can do is we, got, we have to tell people what God says in his word. We have to tell them that we can't play God and say, well, this is what I believe, or this is, we have to say what God's word says. His word teaches us that if we believe who Jesus is, there's that belief part, we repent of sin, confess him as Lord, and are clothed with Jesus in baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are a new creation. When you take all of those things that God relates to getting to know him and coming to him, you put them together, you look at the entire picture. We don't want to throw away one or two or three. We want to take all of them and put them together and understand, and everything falls into place. I can't, nor would I ever, want to discount anything the Bible says about faith or repentance or confession and certainly, we shouldn't discount what God says about baptism either. A lot of people, when they get upset, or not, even not when they're upset, it's not always upset, but they'll say, well, what about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. First thing I do is say amen. <laughs> I don't ask for an amen. <laughs> I say amen because I believe it. But what I have to help people understand is that this passage of scripture is talking about grace versus works of the Old Testament law. It's are you saved by the grace of God or are you saved by keeping the law? That's the works that it's referring to. Because in the church at Ephesus and many other churches at that time, there were people who still struggled between being a Jew or a, a Gentile or a Jew and a Christian. Or if they were a Christian, they wanted to be a Jewish Christian. And they wanted their identity in that and keeping the law. Well, just in case, I'm going to keep the law. And he was saying, no, you're saved by the grace of God, not by doing the works of the law. He's saying you're not saved by those things. And what I want people to understand is that that passage of Scripture is absolutely true, and it does nothing to forbid a human response to the gospel. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have anything in it that teaches us that, uh, that all you do is you say, I don't want to move my finger because that, that might be a work. And, and I'm not trying to be snotty. I, I, pr I promise you I'm not. But that's the idea that is carried a lot of times. It's like if we do anything, that, that means that we've worked to earn our salvation. My gracious, absolutely not. We cannot earn our salvation. 
and our human effort, it, all we do is respond to God. He does the heavy lifting, just like he's the one who dies on the cross, so we have to teach the truth. And I, I want people to understand that baptism is not a work. It's a response in faith. You know, physically, baptism requires the least amount of effort, really, I believe, of any part of God's plan. Because what happens is you stop resisting and you literally allow someone to lower you in the water and you stop breathing for a second. You know? I mean, you, for all intents and purposes, you're dead for a second. Now, if they hold you down too long, then you're really dead. And we try to avoid that. <laughs> but you allow someone to lower you in the water and belief takes tremendous mental work. It really does. I mean, for most, for, not for all of us, some of us believe easily. But a lot of people, it takes tremendous mental work, tremendous mental effort. Repentance, my goodness, takes wrestling with your will. I don't need to do that. I need to stop. I need to turn back around. I need to turn back again. It takes tremendous uh, wrestling with your will. Confessing Jesus as Lord takes vocal effort. And what a lot of people don't understand is that confession is it's what you say, but it's also how you live as well. And that takes effort. And my point is that doesn't nullify any of those things. But baptism takes the least physically for you because you're just lowered into water. And it's a moment, especially I've baptized people who are afraid of water, and that is a terrifying moment for them because they are submitting their life to little old me. <laughs> and they're trusting for me doing the physical part, but God's doing the spiritual part. And spiritually, spiritually this, it takes tremendous faith to believe that when you are buried in water that God will wash away your sin and give you the Holy Spirit. It takes tremendous faith. It's a response of faith because honestly, it, what, what makes any sense about it? I'm being truthful and honest here. What makes any sense about the fact that God says when you are lowered in water, buried in water, you, you die to your sin and you're raised up to, in a new life, you become this new person. What makes any sense about it except that what? God says it. And he's saying like, do you trust me? Do you trust me to take care of your sin problem? I did it on the cross, but this is the point in the time that you receive the benefit of it because your faith and your repentance, your confession, you're buried with Christ. You know, many times I've seen people read these scriptures and they finally come to this understanding of what the Bible says about baptism and they'll say something to the effect of, well, you know, I was baptized, I was dunked underwater before, but now I understand what it really means and... I'm all good. But that's where God's funny sense of humor comes into play. And the passage of scripture that ended up being the passage that we're supposed to teach this week is Acts chapter 19. I promise you, even though we're just getting into this, don't think that it's going to be in another 45 minutes. We're almost done. <laughs> Had a lot of scripture up front. We got this scripture right here. This is our main one, Acts 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, to, In what then were you baptized? 
they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And when Paul had, uh, excuse me, and on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. This is a very, very important understanding that we need to gain of Scripture. Because what we're seeing here, what we're learning here, is that the act of physically being baptized in water was not enough when they didn't have the right faith. They didn't have faith in what God was doing at that time. And so they had been baptized in water by John's baptism. But what's the problem? What's the big difference between John's baptism and the baptism that Paul's getting ready to perform on them? Right, The Holy Spirit, that's right, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. But what had not happened when John's baptism was going around yet? That's right. Jesus had not died on the cross, been buried, and raised from the tomb. So there was no payment for the penalty of sin yet. And so now he's saying, okay, so you didn't even know there was Holy Spirit. So that means, uh uh-oh, you were not baptized into Christ. And so then it says he baptized them into Christ at that very moment. And it's an amazing thing. And sometimes people will push back and they'll say, oh, oh, you believe in magic water. You believe that there's something magical about the water. Um, honestly, like what, uh, now this is oversimplification, but what a lot of our Roman Catholic friends believe. They believe that the water's blessed, and so therefore something, and so that's what's a little rough about some history is that many times they would baptize people at the point of a, what? A sword or a spear. And they say, as long as we get you dunked under that water, the water's been blessed, and so it, it takes care of your problem no matter what you believe. But we don't, that scripture doesn't teach that. The scripture talks about faith being combined there. Because otherwise, if it was just magic water, you could have, Paul could have said, well, okay, well now you know the truth, keep on going down the road. But he said, no, we've got to baptize you into Christ. Because it's not about, simply about the water, it's about your faith in Jesus and what he's doing at that point. And 1 Peter 3.21 says this, speaking about the flood of Noah, it says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh. He's saying it's not about your skin getting cleaned off in water. He says, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus So just like Romans 6 says that you're joined with the death of Jesus at baptism and you're raised to a new life, it says that it saves you not because baptism is a special thing, but because Jesus died and he said, I'm going to save you at that point. That's why it has its power. The resurrection of Christ is what saves us. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is what saves us. But God, in his wisdom, has specified that baptism is the time and the place that you receive the benefits of what Jesus did on the cross and from the empty tomb. God said it. And so when you're being baptized into Christ, what you're essentially saying is, God, I want you to cleanse me. I want to be saved. I want to be free from guilt in front of you. It's an appeal to God. The the Greek there has the idea of like almost like begging, begging God for a good conscience. 
I hope you know how much I don't enjoy talking about a sensitive topic, especially all the time, it seems like, lately. Thanks, Book of Acts. <laughs> and you may be thinking, you know, why are you sharing all these scriptures so many times? And honestly, it's for that same reason of why Peter said we're baptized. It's because I want a clear conscience with God. And once I study the scripture, if I want a clear conscience, I've got to say what scripture says. And I've got to tell as many people as possible what the scripture says. It's not my role to be the gatekeeper of who gets to experience the grace of God and who doesn't. I have to tell the truth. And I want a clear conscience before God. I want to be able to lay my head on my pillow at night. And the honest truth is, and, and I'll just say it. I love you too much to not tell you the truth. As uncomfortable as it may be sometimes, and I know there's not a lot of people maybe, but there's some of you who may have questions, may have doubts, concerns. You've been raised one way and you've been taught, well, that's not what it means. But I love you too much to not tell you the truth. And that's what we're all called to do is to love people enough to tell them the truth about what God's word says. So what does that mean for you? Maybe today you've been listening to this. Maybe you've been wrestling. Maybe you had a different idea. Maybe this hit you totally out of left field. Whatever, wherever you are. Maybe you came in here today and now you're like, okay, I see what the Bible says because I don't think anybody could argue that I just basically just read a lot of scripture, didn't I? He didn't say anything but scripture. But if you sit here today and you're like, okay, what do I do now? What do I do now? Do I have to look silly? You know, you know, what does that mean? So now if you understand what the Bible says in regards to faith and repentance and confession and being baptized, but you were baptized for different reasons, what does that mean? Do you start over? Do you have to like go back to square one, you know, do not pass go or do not collect or whatever that thing is? Do I have to be embarrassed? Do I have to look silly? Well, that's why I believe what we read two weeks ago, the last time I was here and preached from Acts 18, is so powerful. It talked about Apollos and it says how he taught accurately about Jesus, but he only knew the baptism of John. And it says that Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife team, go to him and explain the way of God more accurately. Now, I don't think it's a mistake that these two passages are literally back to back. I really don't. I will grant you the fact that it does not explicitly say that Apollos was baptized into Christ. But the very next words are Paul's encounter with these, these uh, Jewish disciples who needed to be baptized into Christ. And I want to remind you of one important thing, is that the chapter markers were not there when the scripture was written. It would have been one flowing thought where Priscilla and Aquila talked to Apollos, and then Paul talks to the Ephesian disciples and they're baptized in Christ, it would have been crystal clear that most likely, most likely Apollos was baptized in Christ. But here's why I'm pointing this out. This is why I'm pointing this out. And we're almost about to land the plane, okay? Everybody stick with me. This is important. Apollos then, guess what he did? He went on his way preaching the gospel. They sent him on and they were glad for him to do it. He did not have to go back and go back into the kids' ministry <laughs> and break graham crackers on the line. 
No, he was able to go and he took this new knowledge and I would say this baptism into Christ and then ultimately because of what Paul told the Ephesians, the Holy Spirit now living in him and he takes all this knowledge, he taught about Jesus well and man, it's like putting a match to a fuse on a stick of dynamite at this point. You thought he was affected before, look what he's going to be able to do now. And so I say that to say, if you find yourself in this boat, don't let pride, don't let fear keep you from doing what you need to do. Just keep moving on. This, I'm telling you, man, this church might not be perfect because guess what? None of us are, but I'm the leader, so that means it's not going to be perfect for sure. But this church loves people well and loves the truth well, and this is not a judgmental church. This is not a church that's going to talk about you behind your back. This is not a church that's going to tear you down or point fingers because of what you've done in the past. They're going to say, look, I've been there where you are. I might still be there sometimes. I'm getting out of that, but come on, let's go. And that's what we want to be about. And so if you need to make a decision today, don't let pride stand in your way and say, what are people going to think? I want to be in Jesus. Don't let fear stop you from experiencing new life in Jesus. You know, my prayer is that every one of us would listen to what God says when it comes to salvation. Not what people say including me. I'm just sharing the truth of God's word and I want you to read it and study it and know it and obey it. And if you're willing to do that, trust God and do what is right. Don't let your fear of what it means for your family or your loved ones who did not do what the scripture says keep you from obeying the word of God. So many people, once they understand the truth of the Bible or once they're confronted with it, they'll argue and they'll say, no, I can't because what does it mean for my grandmother or my grandfather who didn't do that, who didn't know that, and they've gone on. What does that mean? I'll say this. God is good. God is good. And we can trust him to be good. If it comes to my eternal destination, I trust God with it, not anybody else. But what we cannot do is ask him to change his word for us or for anybody else that has the opportunity to obey it right now. We cannot, we can, we can trust God to be good and we can trust him to make the right judgments about people and where they get to spend eternity to look at their hearts. God is the one to do it. But you and I cannot ask God to change one bit of his word for anybody, including us. And so the question is, like Ananias said to Paul when it was time for him to be baptized, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If today you've got some questions where you say, I'm ready, we can make it happen. Or we can start talking, we can start looking and studying together. This isn't an all or nothing thing. This is like, this might be a small step or this might be, I'm jumping in. But let's trust God to be God and let's trust him at his word. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement in Seed.